Good evening, everybody. Good evening. On a Tuesday. On a Tuesday. In uh. In the the last hours of of November. You know, got two days left, so they're not even considered days. It's just hours. So how you been today? It was a cold one. It still is. It's a chilly willy evening. It it is windy. Um, It was a little bit of a... These are the days where you really have to urge yourself to go and exercise. Especially if you exercise outside. Like I tend to do. Gotta urge yourself. You gotta just do it. Because there's... This is the time of year where there's all the reason in the world not to do anything. But, uh, but got a lot done tonight, for tonight, and we should have a good one. Though it will be short. Yes, we are getting off around the 8 o'clock hour. That's when, uh, that's when the band is showing up for our Tuesday night session. We're preparing for what is hopefully a late December um, stream, broadcast, jam session, fun time with you all. So we're, we're putting that all together in our, our plans for 2024. So we're going to be bouncing off somewhere around the halfway mark to quitefrankly.tv, to Foxhole. All those links are in the description. And uh, But for the entirety of tonight's show, we're going to have a return guest. It's been a while since Danny Katz has been on. She's got a new book out. It's called The Language of Betterarchy, a blueprint for the United... Uh, blueprint um, for the United Against Tyranny. So that is a, uh, that's the whole thing that we are doing tonight. I want to talk about language. It is a world war of words. And the greatest part of this war, we always talk about the psychological war that's being waged, waged across the planet. That World War Three has largely been psychological. Uh, you know, fifth generation warfare, that's been a big part of the of the discussion, the fourth turning—that's another big part of the discussion. There's a lot of layers to this, to this, uh, this sheet cake over here. A lot of layers. And tonight we have somebody that understands the um, the use of words, not only just in propaganda, which of course is all dependent on words, but also the words that we use every day. That kind of uh, that that really that really uh, constitute. The inner world that we create with the language that we use, especially if uh, if it is if the, it is words that we are using every day, and we don't really understand how self-sabotaging it is on a, an energetic level. In fact, many of the greatest things <laughs> I got to talk to uh, Danny about a a funny moment, a great moment that has been very memorable for many audience members out there. Last time she was on, because whenever she comes on, she does a little bit on word etymology and the hidden, not so much hidden, but maybe lost meaning of words that we don't really, we don't really go and dig into the, the words that we use every day that are almost like steeped into our subconscious at this point, seeped into our subconscious. And, um... Now, I love doing that. Commonly used words and phrases that have a lot of lost meaning. That could probably unlock a little bit of the, um, 
the reasoning why we we get so holed up from time to time. Because words, just like food, they could either be nourishing to the soul, or it could be a neutral kind of a thing, or it could be a poison. And boy, oh boy, we are venomous, are we not? So Danny Katz is coming on a little bit, and we'll be talking to her, and that'll be fun. So uh, I also want to I also want to keep our friend Michael Collins from Wandering Wolf in your prayers. He had a death in his family recently, and we were talking about it. Um, and I just uh, I just hope everybody can keep him and his family in your thoughts and intentions. He's a good guy, and he's become a really good friend of the show and of mine. And I uh, I hope that I hope I wish nothing but the best for he and his family. Um. So there you have that. I would also like to just remind you tomorrow we have Brendan Dilly coming on and then Barbara Yates from womanoovers.com on Thursday. Matt is on with me on December 1st. That's it. It's December. I've been holding off on the Christmas music at least until December 1st. I know a lot of you aren't there until about December, but it is after Thanksgiving. I could have gone hard in the paint. I could have gone real hard in the paint and I did not been holding back so and then next week great great guest next week the week after that even better timothy alberino just came back on uh he said absolutely i'll come back on december 13th december 14th jay gulanello said that he'd like to do the george washington show i don't think i'm going to be on air that night at all uh we're going to take aurora to go see some christmas sites that my father helped construct at a very historic local mansion. We'll be talking about that sometime afterward. I'll take, if, uh, maybe it, it's enough um, enough bandwidth up there where I can actually stream from inside of this uh, this spot. If not, I will film a lot, and we will. I'll come back to you on that Friday, the next Friday, December fifteenth, which is Fleckus Friday. Fleckus is coming back on. It's a Christmas miracle. But before that, a lot more. I even got Stephen Jonathan coming on to talk about Saint Nicholas, the elves, Krampus. And, I, um, and I'm hoping to, to do a big Christmas guest roulette show. I'm working on that for around December 21st. I want, you'll see. That's it. You'll see. See what it is. I hope I can turn this into a very, very, very comfy, cozy night where we just have people stopping by all night. I'm flying people in from all over the world. No, I don't have that budget. One day, that would be great. Okay, with that, let's get into a little bit of quick grab bag before we bring on Danny Katz. The first one up is from WTOP.com. Gusty winds topple the national Christmas tree near the White House, everybody. There you have it. So the, uh, the White House Christmas tree is just about as sturdy as the man of the house. Falling over all over the place. A little bit of wind. I think a little bit of wind would knock Joe Biden over, too. Apparently, a lot of people are getting a lot of snow right now. I had a friend of mine, uh, Crystal from Ohio, get in touch with me this morning saying, how are you liking the snow? Because, you know, whatever happens in Ohio usually happens here about 24 hours later. I said, nothing, nothing. But there's a lot of snow elsewhere. And um, and I don't know what it is about our, maybe because it's our proximity to the water. But whereas the rest of New York gets pelted, the, the last three to four years, especially, we have not really gotten that much. I think we get about one and a half major storms. They usually come around February, like I told you. 
So um, I'm sure a lot of Christmas trees fell over. But, you know, Joe Biden has no balance. He sucks. All right, here's another one for you. This one comes out of Miami. Has to do with the weather. It's weather-related as well from the Miami Herald. A cold front is moving across Miami. Will iguanas fall from the trees? Here's what to know. Anybody in the audience that is from the Miami area or anywhere where these iguanas are all over the place, please let us know about all of the iguana action near you. Especially if temperatures dip to some kind of a... They said it's like around below 40 Let's see here. Temperatures will drop Monday night to the mid and low 60s along Florida's east coast. And if you're near Lake Okeechobee, 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 prepare for a chilly night with temperatures in the low 50s. Oh, it's definitely going to be cooler tonight than it has been over the last few weeks. But as far as those damn uh, iguanas, the cold-blooded invasive species slow down and become immobile when the temperatures dip into the 40s. When that happens, they may fall from the trees. You got to watch out. Uh, if I would love to see any kind of footage, any of our Floridian friends down there who can capture some of these frozen iguanas, these immobilized iguanas, on tape. I want to. I want to see it for myself. I don't. I want to see this. Uh, and that's all I have for you there. You remember when we were talking about the iguanas? Uh, I know that they it's become a very, very big business down there to go into business just taking care of these iguanas with the airsoft guns. I know that Fleckus actually did that on a little bit of a, uh, a boat. They went on a boat ride down some canal, and they all had these airsoft guns, these BB guns essentially, and they're popping, just, just popping them all off, and you collect the bodies, and you... You bring them to a place, you can get paid for this. There's a lot of people, like pest control. It's bad. They're a very, very bad invasive species now. And I remember we were talking about all the ways that you can kill the iguanas. They, because it was some of the local, some of the local uh, news down there was instructing people on how to kill the iguanas in very humane ways. And we, we, we made up a whole bunch of ways that you can kill the iguanas humanely. I think it, one of them... I think one of them was actually like sneaking up behind it, like Luca Brazzi in the uh, in the in the Godfather, and just and strangling them. Uh, we had a, a a video, a video of us strangling the iguana, like like Luca Brazzi, and I don't know where it was. I was looking for it all over the place. The iguana, the iguana father. They're all over the place. Here's one last thing for you before we go. Very very important news out of Wyoming. Charges have been dismissed against Wyoming ranchers for bleaching penises onto cows. Okay. Two Crook County Wyoming ranchers who have been accused of bleaching male genitalia and other markings on their neighbor's cows are no longer facing charges as a judge didn't find sufficient evidence to advance the case to felony level count. The property destruction charges against Patrick Sean Carroll, 66 years old, and his son, Tucker Kai Carroll, 34 years old, both have been dismissed without prejudice, meaning a prosecutor could bring the charges again if additional evidence compels him. Here's a quote. After hearing testimony, the court hereby finds that there is no sufficient probable cause and the matter is hereby dismissed without prejudice. Crook County uh, Attorney Joseph Barron, the prosecutor, declined money to comment to Cowboy State Daily. 
And um, the men were accused, Patrick and Tucker, they were accused of bleaching penises and other shapes onto the bodies of 189 of their neighbor's heifers and six of his bulls to get the neighbor's attention after three years of the cattle crossing onto their land. <laughs> they definitely did it. <laughs> but, you know, if the penis bleach don't fit, you must acquit. As Johnny Cochran once said back in the 90s. And, uh, and, and now for a little bit of a bonus for you. This is from a friend of ours, Miami Rick on Twitter. Some of you might already follow him. Rick is a, uh, he's a B747 pilot. I follow his adventures all throughout the world. Incredible stuff. And he's a fan of the show. He will be on one day to talk about all of his high altitude excursions. But he put this on the internet a couple days ago. Uh, two days ago, said, I flew through the Arctic Circle well north of Iceland last night, and I must say this is the best light show we've gotten this season so far, but it's early still, and there he is flying through the Aurora Borealis. Isn't that incredible? Look at that. Look at the glow of the inside of that cockpit. That's exactly the kind of vibe I want to create in this studio. His is a little bit more cozy, because of course he doesn't need to have his face lit for the cameras, but look at that glow. I don't know what I would do in there. Nothing. I would be petrified of all the, the gadgets. I'd say, somebody else better fly this plane. Don't let me do it. Something bad's going to happen. Look at that out the window. Good Lord. Good Lord. What a mystery it all is, isn't it? Beautiful. All right. 704. No, no. 709. Let's get this one kicked off. Danny Katz is going to be joining us on the other side of the uh, the opening, so don't go anywhere. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Well, friends, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show on the other side of the pre-show. And if you'd like to contribute some thoughts, some opinions, some shout-outs, some jokes to the show, you can send them to quitefranklysuperchat.com. You can send them to the uh, the gold pills in the the chat room on quitefrankly.tv or right there on our Foxhole channel. 
It's all powered by Foxhole and Pilled. So you can send some gold pills, Rumble Rants. Remember, I know that we bounce off at the halfway point on Rumble as well as everywhere else, but I always read the rants onto the record. If you go and see the full episodes that are uploaded and archived on the Rumble channel by midnight every night, uh, they are all on there, so you are never overlooked. Um, love to have you on and hanging. So cast your thoughts my way. It would be a real, real pleasure. So tonight's guest, Danny Katz, it's been a little bit of time since she's been on. Um, I actually don't even remember when it was. It might have been 2021. But Danny Katz is an author. She's an educator, a public speaker whose work is primarily focused on how heavily the language we use on a daily basis affects the outcomes of our reality. And her published works include Word Up, Little Language Hacks for Big Changes, Pop Propaganda, which is how I, I learned about Danny. I received that as a gift from Justin Polgar of Yes Cacao. It's a great stocking stuffer, by the way. All of her books are, especially for teaching children and the newly red-pilled, how to identify uh, how propaganda is used against people, against their interests. Uh, but her latest book, which we'll be discussing a little bit tonight, The Language of Betterarchy. A blueprint for you uh, for you to be united against tyranny. I don't know why I'm screwing that up. That's the second time I've screwed it up, Danny. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Frank. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's wonderful to have you back. You know, I gotta say, the last time that you were on, we created a little bit of a uh, a um, I don't know. I guess a memory that has really, really lasted. We we, we do a little bit of word etymology stuff. That's all, like our tradition that you and I do. But the last time you were here, you created a memory that has been built to last for many of the audience members here. When you informed us that the word pollute pollution was actually originally or long time ago primarily intended to describe sexual debauchery of uh of certain types so there was months worth of pollution jokes in all of our chat rooms after that night so I'm, i i welcome you back and who knows what the hell we'll be talking about after we conclude happy to be of service glad to generate months worth of content for you guys absolutely well you know the other thing i realized when i was just putting together some notes for myself you worked with mickey willis on the second pandemic movie or what what was that yeah um i was his co-writer i was the lead um researcher and writer on that i can't i i, I don't know how when the, that was what 2021 was that no that was 2020 it was super balls to the wall it was like right after pandemic came out um we got to work on that and we turned that around really really quickly wow i then i we must have just glazed over that the last time you were on because i'm i'm surprised that we had not talked about this that's another mutual friend that we both have and that's just so great that you were working so intimately on that on that project that trilogy is now um it's like required reading, <laughs> like how that used to be. But, um, well, anyway, it's great to always learn these little things. So here's what I want to ask you. You had this new book out, The Language of Betterarchy, a blueprint for, what am I, for United Against Tyranny. For uniting against tyranny. Although I was thinking last night that I, I kind of want to change the subtitle to how, how to win the war of words. But my publisher was tired of me going back and forth. And she's like, this is a subtitle. We're moving forward. <laughs> I just don't know how I copied and pasted it so many times wrong. Because it makes so much more sense when you say uniting against tyranny. Anyway, 
I, you had a forward. You have a forward in here writ, written by uh, Dr. David Martin, which is pretty cool. But how would you define? Just kick this one off. Betterarchy. That's a that's a word that a lot of people are probably hearing for the same time. How do you define it? Right, because I made it up. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, um, betterarchy is a placeholder. Um, that is our next evolution out of hierarchy. When I was writing this book, you know, the, the basic gist of this book is that we love to say that patriarchy is the biggest issue and blame everything on patriarchy and um, are under the like extremely diluted notion that the solution is to put women on top, black people on top, trans people on top. And my thing is like, if we're still playing in an organizational structure that needs there to be losers for there to be winners, then we're all losing. This is a stupid game and it's really time for us to evolve out of this game, which is actually hierarchy. So I spent about three months like really nerding out with like Latin dictionaries and looking for the just right like prefix, suffix. I wanted it to be synergy, but synergy was weaponized by the Third Reich. And I was like trying to invent this new word and then I realized like I've gone so far off the rails like I need to write this book so we're just gonna call it betterarchy and whatever it is can be named in the future but right now we really need to evolve into something better and of course that would really start with uh, as Michael Jackson would say the man in the mirror and uh, language is is the one of the building blocks of not only how we communicate with everybody around us but how we even communicate with ourselves our thoughts it, it's all rooted in our the language that we use primarily and the words that we pick even if it's just in our head uh that's that's pretty huge no it's everything it's everything i mean the social engineers you know, the elites in charge, they know very well how language functions as reality creation technology, as programming technology, right? So, uh, like, the words that we use to talk to ourselves, to talk about ourselves, like we think in words, those are crucial as far as setting ourselves up with confidence, with self-esteem, with an open heart, all of those things. But it's also like in this book, I clue us into the 10 markers of hierarchical languaging so that we could start to notice the frequencies and the coding in the language that is sustaining this outdated structure. Like hierarchy isn't a thing built with bricks and mortar it's an abstraction and we sustain it by thinking in hierarchical language by speaking in hierarchical language right with language that is infused with the frequencies of lack limitation separation fixity fear conflict etc etc so when we start to clue in to those frequencies in our words and what those markers are and then what i'm calling the betterarchical upgrades so words that are encoded with empowerment equality, abundance, possibility, encouragement, unity, then the world that emerges from those words will necessarily be reflective of those qualities because that's how this realm functions. Like, it's from the Bible. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God. Right? That's so powerful. Even if we're not, like, you know, Bible scholars, like, it was a clue that, like, hey, these are tools that create our reality. So right now I'm trying to invite us, I am inviting us to start to understand language and use language with this in mind and to use language that's congruent with the reality that we want to be living in. Mm. And, and what, what is, the, what is the, the, the real audience that you're trying to capture right here? Because I know that you've done stuff that is real, and I know you 
personally work with children, uh, younger audiences. You, you try to have that that nice Socratic kind of a uh, of an environment for for teaching and tutoring and all of that. But of course, this is a little bit more. Uh, intermediate to advanced stuff. So, um, are, are you trying to reach the, the 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 leaders of today, not so much the leaders of tomorrow? What, what were you uh, envisioning as far as the target when you were writing this? Um, this book is my aim is to cross over um, to to move it beyond perceived dividing lines, political par. Um, polarities. I would love for the thought leaders, the needle movers, um, you know, the academics, the people with huge audiences who are persuading lots and lots of people to start to clue into this, because then it's going to be able to spread more quickly, more efficiently, um, and allow us to course correct our Earthship. Mm, I, I was looking at this. It was part two of your book. Uh, the world is made of words. It's like this starts around page 54 and it said, uh, this, and, and of course, you know, this is something I, I really, dare I say, vibed with. And it really hits, you said the, the communication, you go through these different levels here on really how words make impacts. And of course, you start on the surface level, which is, it's a communication tool. I mean, you can convey whatever message you want to say, and then you get into the 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 like one league below the surface is existential validator which as you say bestows existential validity upon the thing or concept its words symbolize now it doesn't always have to be it doesn't have to always be negative of course but since you're writing in defiance of tyranny this is it is very good to point out it is exactly why tyrants compel speech and it's also why they restrict speech to protect the lie that they're compelling a thousand percent it's like um you know when and i write about this in the book but when christopher columbus's ships were appro approaching the shoreline of north america um the natives actually didn't see them because they didn't have a word to represent large ships. Um, so the brain wasn't able to, to grok these, these giant vessels moving towards them. Or in like Aboriginal cultures, when someone is cast out of the tribe, the tribe ceases to use that person's name because it takes their consent away from that person's existence. So, I mean, the simplest example of this was uh, you know, for the 2016 election, I wasn't really tracking it all that closely, but I knew that Trump was going to win just based on how often I was hearing his name, how often people were casting their vote for his presence in the political conversation by invoking it as often as they were. So it's why we don't want to talk about the things that we don't want to see more of in our world. It's why anti is such a useless modifier, right? If I'm anti-sexism, every time I say sexism, I'm fueling and empowering sexism. I'm casting my vote for more sexism in my reality construct. Yes. Yeah, I, I absolutely. And you know, and then you go into you go several leagues deeper than that. And when you bring up manifestation technology, now I love I love that you use manifestation technology here because really the brain is technology. It is all it's it's just inherent in us. And this is really where you know whether it's central intelligence and corporate media, especially specifically, it is very specifically designed to hijack 
our ability to manifest physical reality out of thought. And um, and I, I'd love for you to just talk a little bit about that there, too, because uh, it, you want to talk about power that has to be gained. It's really power that has to be reclaimed because of the um, just the, the, the world, the, the fun house that we're living in. It distracts us, and when we talk about distractions, uh, it really is so much more about disabling the kind of power that putting our attention to something actually has because it's being put into things that are just not serving to ourselves as individuals. Even the big news stories of the day that we say that, that some people say we're being distracted away from is a distraction away from what the hell we're doing to better ourselves because as individuals, it's the only way the world is going to change, no? A hundred percent. And I, I love what you said about reclaiming our power because the idea of gaining power is a fiction because it alleges that we don't have the power, which is all this big shell game that's going on. Um, it's why they try to steer our attention towards so many worst case scenarios. You know, look at the entertainment programming. It's some sort of like zombie apocalypse or some giant disaster, right? Always implanting the worst case scenarios in our minds. Ask people like, tell me about your dream girl. You know, like, who's the wife that you're manifesting? Nine times out of ten, that person's going to talk about everything they don't want that person to have or bring to the relationship because we've all been indoctrinated to focus on the negative, which is how we manifest the negative. You know, like, I'm very careful about where I put my attention. I've never seen any of the George Floyd footage. I don't want to put that in my mind. I know those images are so powerful. You know, things like inversions where you say, hey, Danny, how was that apple pie? Oh, it was bomb. So I'm manifesting a reality full of mass um, murder weaponry, right? Like, these things just kind of slip in to our lexicon and and allow us to put our attention into manifesting the very things that we don't want. You'll see it in the news where they'll take like a tiny potentiality of something terrible. Like it's all over the climate hysteria narrative. It's like this is going to happen and this terrible thing is happening and you know we'll be underwater and we will be extinct and these things happen and they use this definitive present positive languaging, which is a smart tool, but they're using it to persuade us to do their dirty work for them and to manifest these worst case scenarios. I see it in the truth movement all the time. And then we're gonna be microchipped and then we're gonna be put in FEMA camps and then we're not gonna be able to do X, Y, Z. And it's like, no, 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 just because they have a plan doesn't mean that they're going to get away with it. But when we talk about their plans with that definitive certainty, we're lending our own consent to them instead of saying, hey, they have a plan plan to do this, but actually here's how it's going to go, which is why our smartest move is for us to come together and vision the future that we want to be living into and start giving more attention and more power and more airtime to those visions and those potentialities, and then they will more easily manifest. Is that, uh, when you when you talk, so we, then we start talking about uh, law of attraction, you start you start getting into that that uh, that right there. Now, I I definitely feel you can you can feel the unseen. Um, you can you you know how you can actually tap into something. You can be buzzing, and you know that once you you align thought and feeling, you can almost feel yourself electrify. And that in in itself is a great way. I mean, just to be 
to to feel that almost joy of existence and especially when you are bounding forward towards something that you want to experience something that you want to build just to have that outlook and to have that confidence and that and that momentum in itself is great to um to manifest what you want in life because you're putting action together with thought and feeling and it's just it, it, it's just going to propel you and of course that is just attractive to people. Uh, you'll you'll attract partners because they'll see something alight in you. You'll attract customers because they'll know that there's love that put it went into your business or your product or whatever. Um, I I see all that stuff, uh, you know, existing just from a uh, a standpoint of how you're going to actually act in the world and present yourself to other people. Uh, but when you when we talk about vibration, where do you think is there actually a is there actually a, a line, a cosmic line that is cast out to other people who don't know they're looking for you just yet and all of a sudden they cross your path? Is it, is it really just about training the eye onto something that you want to see that you might have, that might have been missing it the whole time or does the thing that you want to see actually show up? I think it's about like... In my perspective, anything that we want, that we've honed in on as a genuine desire, already exists in an alternate dimension. And so manifestation is obliterating, obliterating um, the perceived chasm hmm. between those dimensions, right? Because I never dream about being like a star linebacker or owning a Lamborghini. Like, I don't care about those things. But there are certain desires I have that continue to poke me on the shoulder over and over and over again. Um, and I know that they're repeating their, you know, beckonings towards me because they already exist. So it's about aligning our frequency to the frequency of the thing we want already being here. Um, so it's not like I want an electric bike. It's I love how it feels riding my electric bike down Buckman Road and like feeling the wind blow through my hair. Um, and I love my red lock and how cute it looks parked out in front of the co-op or whatever it is. You know, it's like getting into the energy of it's already here and allowing that frequency to pull material reality to us and using the words to do that. Like, that's why my first book is called Word Up. It's the practice of wording myself up, you know, getting myself before I sit down to work. It's like, what is my intention? What is best case scenario in publishing this book? And then I'm tapping into all the people who are reached, all the people who are impacted, all the people in the world utilizing these languaging tools and how empowering it is once we have changed our world for the better. So I move myself to that future scenario and then I bridge the gap by using the words and the frequencies that they cultivate in me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, well, well to, play, to play devil's advocate, Danny, what if you wanted to be a linebacker? I, I don't know. I, what if you wanted to play, uh, you know, middle linebacker for the, the the San Diego Chargers? I don't know how you're going to get a frequency to get you onto that field. Uh, <laughs> that's the one thing, you know. So, I, but, but but then again, you're talking about um, getting behind behind the actual thing you want. It's not about putting the Rolex on your uh, your uh, your wrist. It's a it's not about trying to attract the Rolex onto your front porch tomorrow. It's about trying to connect with what is it 
what is it that you want to feel when that Rolex is on you? Is it satisfaction? Is, is it uh, validity? You want to be feel validated? You want to feel a, a accomplishment? You want to feel financially secure? Well, I mean, that is the real thing. Um, so I'm just messing with you about the linebacker, whatever. But <laughs> well, you know, there was always that Helen Hunt. Remember that movie in the '80s where she was like. She was like the quarterback in high school. <laughs> no. no, I didn't see that no, one. I mean, we live in a realm of limitation. There are real deal limitations. Um, but there's also like at the same time, omniscopic possibility. You know, it's a paradoxical realm in which we we play. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, you said something before there, too. You said implanting um, worst case scenarios. How you in, how that is implanted for us, and of course that speaks directly to what you open up the book with the myth of patriarchy, which connects right to victim languaging because that's just the whole thing there. It definitely relates to how well a person or people in a group can manifest great things in life because if you believe that you're being held back by imaginary patriarchs, or you, if you are using language that. Uh, is otherwise covertly or overtly asserting that you're a victim or you're being held back because of the way, you know, what, what caste you've been born into, if that has anything to do with your sex or your your, your color or whatever. That is a, a handicap which is largely learned. So what do you do to, to really um, address breaking that, uh, breaking that cycle? Because, man, I, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like we just got to burn out for this to correct itself. It's so bad right now with the identity crisis. Yeah, um, the identity psyop is definitely a mighty uh, you know, challenge for us to overcome. The, the biggest thing with victim language, languaging and victim consciousness is that we do it to ourselves. And this culture rewards us for doing it to ourselves. And like the biggest downside of being in victim consciousness is buying into the lie that we don't have agency, that we don't have the power to take 100% responsibility for our lives, because it's only from a place of taking 100% responsibility that I'm empowered to make change. If I'm only 99% responsible for my reality, then that 1%, you know, I'm a victim to that 1% of my reality. So with victim languaging, and we're all you know, uh, we all have those tendencies, right? I mean, look at small baby animals, like part of their survival is that they look so cute and helpless that like other animals don't wanna hurt them or whatnot. But for me, it's looking at like, you know, when I'm working with my clients, like what do you think you have to do? Where do you think you don't have power in your life? I have to take my kid to soccer practice. I have to work. I have to do X, Y, Z. And it's reverse engineering every have to to the point of choice. So I don't have to work. I choose to work because I like having income, because I like having a fridge full of food, and, and I like being able to put gas in my car. So I don't have to work, I choose to work, right? When we're in choice, we're connecting with the frequency band of empowerment, which allows us to move through the world 
with freedom and sovereign agency. You know, I don't have to take my kid to soccer. I choose to take my kid to soccer because it makes the kid happy. And I chose to procreate to seed an, you know, expressed conscious being into the planet. So any place that we're feeling victimized, it's really helpful to always take it back to, wait, where am I really truly in choice? You know, even during, you know, the pandemic nonsense, when there were places here in New Mexico that had, you know, mask only rules. I never said, oh, I'm not allowed to go in there without a mask because then I'm internalizing their tyranny. It's I, I, as a, an autonomous adult, I'm allowed to do whatever I want. They have a mask policy that I can either choose to abide by or choose not to and go somewhere else. It's a good choice. It's if- a good point. Yeah, it's always coming back to choice so that we remain empowered. And that's exactly what they don't want us to do. They don't want us to be standing in our empowerment. So it's really the most rebellious thing we could do is just own our choice. Yeah, because, you know, what is a and we're going to take a break right now and and uh, and and uh, for for intermission, it's a short show tonight. But uh, so it's going to move by like the Dickens. But I, I should say right there when we talk about. When we talk about anybody or anything that is putting forth a plan like this, uh, this uh, the, the lockdowns from 2020 onward or all the mandates, the coercion, all that stuff. Yeah, there are some physical things that they want to achieve. They want to do certain things, breaking the back of the economy. They, there are transformative things that they're working for, but there's nothing more transformative than breaking the will of people who are, you know, it, it, who could really get in the way of things if they're feeling independent, free and all that. And um and whereas one person can't change the mask policy of the entire CVS pharmacy franchise, the entire chain, that one person can keep their soul intact by making choices like you're just saying. You know, it's uh, to know to know where you can make that choice. The best thing you can do is just preserve your sanity and to understand that uh, you know there there is an operation being run against us but the choices that we make and the language that we use internally and externally is uh is is very important we're going to do more on this uh just on the other side of the the break everybody uh danny i'm just going to mute you real quick and we'll come back in just a second ladies and gents when we come back it's going to be me danny we're going to do a little bit more on this we're also going to talk about the etymology of words and phrases that we use uh, almost unconsciously uh, that are but are energetically self-sabotaging. We always do a little bit of that when Danny's back on. So I really hope that you come and join us. The foxhole link is in the description below in this uh, in the episode. You can also jump right over to quitefrankly.tv, which is all powered by Foxhole. It's the same thing. You can then click through to Foxhole and log in or register right there through the chat room. Either way, you just have to click play. There's nothing standing in between you and me and Danny and the rest of this wonderful show. I will talk to you on the other side. Thank you for joining us. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Welcome to intermission. We'll we'll be right back. Thank you. 
Mission. Quite frankly. 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 Quite Quite frankly. 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 Quite frankly, how dare you? Okay, ladies and gents, ladies and gents, gents and ladies, we are back on the other side and we're having a good time. Danny Katz is here. She's got a new book out. We're talking about the betterarchy tonight. Oh man, you know, you know what it almost reminds me of is this, um, Danny, I was talking about this with, um, I forget who the guest was at one point, but uh, we were talking about psychological situations that we put ourselves in, especially stress. And I think it was a uh, some study that was done to show how a person who, for example, may be uh, running a marathon or some kind of a a Spartan race, wherever there's a lot of obstacles and and there's physical uh, physical challenges that have to be met there. When you're really at your end, when you're starting to just gas out, um, they did a study where your language. The language that you have, the conversation you have with yourself can make all the difference at that point with just getting that last extra mile, those last few steps. But interestingly with this, it was in referring to yourself like from the third person or, or, or in the second person, I should say, or when you're talking directly to someone as if you're outside of yourself saying to yourself, you can do it instead of I can do it. You can almost like, almost like you have become your own partner in and of yourself. You're on. It, it's just, but again, it's just really incredible to see what the mind and the body responds to, and how psychology and the language we use is just paramount to all types of success in life. It's really everything because even when we think we're doing nothing, thoughts are running, and those thoughts are composed of words. I talk to myself all day all day i am my biggest cheerleader i'm telling myself what a great job i'm doing um which not only fuels me throughout my day but it also makes it so that i'm not looking for external validation because i'm taking care of that Hmm. myself i'm not waiting for other people to tell me i'm doing a great job so 
Yeah, I'm I'm like that person in the last mile of their ma- marathon, like 24/7. Uh, yeah, that's that. See, that's great. That's great, and I, and I catch myself a lot here too. I really do. Um, and it's just uh, it's one of those things that becomes a it has to become a focus, or else you're, you what happens to your focus? It, it's just you, you. It becomes so much more um, random, and where at that point it's just. You wake up in the morning, and that day, literally, it will be like a coin toss, maybe even less than a chance of a coin toss of success of whether or not you're going to have a good day, and you really are leaving it all up to just luck. Um, and uh, it, it's good to have a little bit of control wherever you can. You can't control everything, but some things you can. So let me ask you this. Well, wait, uh, I just want to comment on that, if I may, Frank, okay. is that, you know, my work is for, I feel like... I mean, it's already reductive to say that there are two different people in the world, but let's, you know, push that aside and just use this as a thought experiment. There are people who think that they're just like victims of a default reality over which they have no choice and no agency and they just get what they want or conscious reality creators who are choosing to design their lives and their reality construct as they choose. And I'm speaking to the latter group. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, and and I and again, let's let's get into some of those examples because some people might be saying, "Well, okay, uh, I'm I I think I'm a I'm I'm pretty positive, especially with my inner language." But sometimes there are little tiny landmines that uh, that are implanted everywhere, and that is just in in the the the, the words that we use all the time we may think we're being used we're using them positively or if there's nothing really there but what about words and phrases if you like to do a little something with me that we always love doing when you're on words and phrases that we use almost unconsciously that are energetically self-sabotaging what are some things i don't know how long of a list you you may have off the top of your head but what are some words and phrases that you would like to bring to people's attention that are uh, are, are are very you know paid little mind but should have a little bit of attention paid to them yeah um, so should is one, which I should. wasn't going to start with, but oh, okay. <laughs> but because you just said it. Um, so not only, I mean, the etymology of should has to do with debt and guilt, but um, so one of the precepts of hierarchical languaging is what I call wrong use of will, um, which is where people are imposing false authority upon others. And Nine times out of 10, it's not our intention, but the word should is encoded with wrong use of will frequencies that suggest that I have authority over you. If I say, hey, Frank, you know, you you should go see my chiropractor. The word should is encoded with me having authority over you. Um, And so if you have you know, are running your own rebel consciousness tendencies that could create a, a contraction in you, right? Don't tell me what to do. And now we have a little bit of conflict. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I have felt that before. Absolutely. Uh, so so what, how do you approach that? Okay. How do you approach that? If you, um, if you see somebody in need, uh, I guess I, I can find softer ways of saying it without using should, but what's your go-to if you know somebody that needs to go see this chiropractor that you know of, or 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 if, if hey, you should take the garbage out, it stinks in here. You know, how, how would you go about that, or how do you? 
Yeah, so I say, you know, I would recommend um, this chiropractor did wonders for me. You know, if it feels aligned with you, I'm happy to give you his number. Um, it's in owning my own experience and then like asking if you're open or saying, hey, if it's if it's something that resonates, I'm happy to share. But it's like kind of staying in our, our, our own lane. Right. Have you considered, you might want to consider um, but like not crossing that line of like imposing our will on anyone else. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Okay. And so now, so yeah. then let's go with, uh, Hey, uh, you know, you walk into somebody's house. Do you just, do you just plug your nose and say, I got to get the hell out of here? Or do you suggest, or maybe to a child like when you're trying to, cause obviously you want to be able to have a good conversation with a, a child, someone that you have some authority over and, but at the same time, you don't want them to feel like some, some peasant. You want them to feel like they have some stake in the household there. How do you tell them, Hey, uh, your room smells like ass and this needs yeah. to be cleaned up. Um, have you noticed the smell in your room? Like I'm noticing that when I'm in your room, I'm choking back the urge to throw up. So I'm going to remove myself. Um, I'll come back if you decide to clean it up. You know, have you considered cleaning your, your room? Are you noticing this smell, right? It's like, just because I'm uncomfortable in that smell, maybe that kid likes it. You know, it's also on holding space for like, just because it's my preference to not live, you know, in a stinky room, maybe someone else is into that. Well, not in my house. If I smell that. <laughs> see, see, Danny, I, I have to imagine that there is a breaking point for everybody. That that hopefully, that, that reason prevails after a couple of attempts. But once the, I mean, once you just have somebody being defiant and uh, you know obtuse about the kind of squalor they're living in and the fact that they just want to push your buttons I, I'm sure that even you have some time where it's just you know you, you put your hair up and in the and you take the uh, the earrings out and you put your hair up and you get ready to brawl a little bit I have to imagine you still have those moments from time to time oh of course okay. of course <laughs> I mean kids little bit different right because they're not really self-responsible right the, their guardians their parents are responsible for them so it's a little bit different when we're dealing with kids because you as the parent are the authority but at the same time you also don't want to indoctrinate your kid into this old hierarchical way of being so it's like you know it might be wise to give your room a clean out before yeah. having people over you know, right. just I think questions like inviting that. Have you considered what do you think about cleaning your room? Are you embarrassed that, you know, your friend just left in tears because it smells so bad? Like, you know, inviting a conversation, curiosity. Those are helpful. Yes. OK, so let, so should I bump that up should. to the top? Let's do a yeah. couple more. OK, so one phrase that I feel like because with my work, I generally say there are always exceptions. With this one phrase, I don't feel like there are any exceptions. I feel like there's never an appropriate time for a human adult to say the following phrase. I can't afford it. Mm. Um, when I say I can't afford something, I'm victimizing myself to the dollars in my bank account or the lack of dollars in my bank account, right? So I always go like this with my hands when I'm talking about hierarchy. So when I say I can't afford it, my finances are up here and I'm down here. I'm beneath them, right? So it's much wiser to say, um, it's not the wisest use of my abundance or 
I'm not budgeted for that right now, or I'm not feeling aligned with that right now, or simply no, I'm not gonna do that without explanation. But when we go into I can't afford it, now we're connecting with the frequency bands of lack and scarcity. And given the way that this, this realm works, um, when I'm speaking scarcity, victimization, um, fear, right? When I'm speaking those frequencies out into the world, then the universal reality creation forces are going to configure my reality to give me more experiences of scarcity, of lack, of fear, et cetera, et cetera. So again, it's going back to like, I'm choosing to allot my abundance in this way. It's not that I can't afford something. It's that I'm not feeling aligned with buying that right now. Right. Well, okay. Well, hey, I have uh, I have a hard time. I have a hard time uh, describing a uh, budget deficit. I have a very hard time describing a that. I have little rules there too. You know, maybe I say, oh, "Well, I, I don't buy it unless I can. I can uh, buy it twice. I can't yeah. afford it unless I can buy it twice." I have little rules and guidelines, and I don't know. I, I guess I don't let it. Um, I guess I don't let my whatever kind of limitations I have financially really get to me. I always, I, I never in any way, shape, or form believe that there aren't going to be brighter days and I don't have opportunities to blast past whatever financial plateau I'm on. Uh, so I, I, I don't. I think that me personally, I would have uh, I would have found that to be a little bit too much heavy lifting to avoid just saying, oh, well, this is a little bit too uh, rich for my blood right now. But All right, well, let's play with this because we all have different vulnerabilities, right? So scarcity might not be one of yours, but you could just as easily say, I don't buy it unless I can, unless I can, unless I'm budgeted for two. Right. I don't buy anything unless I'm budgeted to buy it twice. That is very different than I can't afford it unless I can buy it twice. In one, you're empowered and you're in choice. In the other one, you're victimized. And you even said, I have a hard time with, so you were programming yourself for it to be challenging to embrace the languaging upgrade versus like, it's getting easier for me to make these adjustments to my communication or I'm willing for it to be easy to empower myself in my speech patterns, right? All these tiny things add up to an entire worldview and an entire meaning-making mechanism, which is really all we have to experience this reality. So they seem minor, but they stack and they grow and they shape how our brains work. No, point taken. Point taken. Um, it's so, oh, so then moving on from there, because I want to, like I said, we, we have limited time tonight, so I really wanted to get at least one or two more of these in because I think it's so fun and interesting. But uh, other things that are no-nos or did-you-know moments that we should be considering. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, Well, I'm not the kind of person who, or I am the kind of person who. So now we created rules and stories around our identity that can inhibit 
our choices and our expression, right? I'm not the kind of person who wears mini skirts and heels. Well, obviously I have a story about the kind of person who wears mini skirts and heels, but what if one day I authentically want to wear a mini skirt and heels, but I've created a story around the type of person who would do that. Now, instead of it being a simple fashion choice, it's gonna require an existential overhaul because I've made it into an identity instead of just a momentary choice. Oh yeah, that's like people who say, I hate Nickelback, I can't listen to them. And then one day you just wanna listen to Nickelback and you're like, I can't do this, I've already, I've already cast them off into <laughs> Exactly, I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not the type of person who listens to Nickelback. That person lives, you know, in their grandmother's basement with 12 cats and eats tuna out of the can. Right. You know, like these stories. So because identity is such a big place where we get trapped. So noticing where we're languaging our choices around, I'm not the kind of person who, or I am the kind of person who, and seeing where we can just like let go of that identity and let choices be choices so that we could be more free moment to moment i love it i love it let's get one more in because i'm addicted to these go ahead okay um so the word my when paired with anything i don't like my abandonment issues my add my migraines oh yes right all of those when i use the word my i'm creating a quantum entanglement and i'm merging my own identity with these things that i don't like thus inviting them to stick around my anxiety my anxiety versus the anxiety that i have wrestled with in the past or the anxiety that i'm transmuting right the so we want to make anything we don't like like i used to see this again coming back to the stupid mask thing when i would walk into a place and they would say oh i'm gonna need you to put on your mask and i was like okay i'm gonna um need you to to hook up your colostomy bag like the assumption that we have these things and then like that's such an nlp thing right to like throw this like noose around my neck by assuming that i have some sort of muzzling device with me yeah your mask your face uh i I mean especially the anxiety uh, comment my anxiety was through is oh my anxiety is through the roof right now you see that all, all over media social media and your friends and family circles all that stuff that is such a you, you i mean it's such a common phrase and it's uh it's a common expression say my anxiety is through the roof it's it's almost as if you're walking through life with your shoes your shirt and your anxiety it, it, exactly. it, it's true it really is exactly it's like your special needs puppy that keeps you from being triggered it's like you're it's like my anything it's like i'm like wrapping my arms around it and holding it really close versus like the the anxiety that either you know i sometimes experience but even better to put it in the past right because this now moment is totally fresh and we can have a different experience so the anxiety that i have experienced in the past or the anxiety that i have sometimes tussled with you know but always the impersonal the instead of my right right and and that's just uh that's just where it is i mean because that uh, after a while when that becomes your story as you said 
uh, when you when you carry these things around and it actually becomes part of your character profile, your background, the things that people know you for. They know you for hating Nickelback. They know you for hating Creed. You know, and uh, and then all of a sudden, it's just what do you do? That anxiety, if it's if it's not there, or do you know who you are anymore? If suddenly you have lopped off your other half, uh, and and it's just no longer there, is that what do you do about your story now? I have plenty of people in my life who, if they didn't have anything to complain about, that might be the most anxious moment in their life. <laughs> you know, it's just uh, it's just the way it is. Well, um, Danny, if you if if you have any, I would love for you to tell everybody. How to go and uh, and get this book? I know it's on DannyKatz.com. That has been linked inside of the description of the of this episode. But if there's any parting shots, anything you want to leave people with, especially for this this Christmas and New Year season now that's coming up, please by all means lay it on thick. Uh, thank you very much, Frank. So my new book, The Language of Betterarchy, um, you can get to it through my website. You can order it on Amazon. It's available in print, electronic, and audiobook narrated by yours truly. Um, my other books, Pop Propaganda, Word Up, and Yes I Am, which is a transformational coloring book. I also just did a little pre-launch for my Pop Propaganda digital course, which is going to be available in January for teens and adults. And I created a special promo code for the Quite Frankly family. Oh. Um, so use the code Frank at checkout and you get $50 off that course. Wow. That's I'm I'm looking at I have it up on the screen right now. We're going through all your books and the quantum languaging, and uh, it's uh, it's all right here. There's the language of betterarchy, pop propaganda. As I said before, this is a very everybody. It's a very very thin little book, beautiful little stick figures all throughout. Like I said, these are perfect stocking stuffers, and uh, and very very well done and very easy to digest. I think that it uh, it'd be good coffee table book too whatever it is but uh danny i can't wait to have you back again i love having fun with words with you is always a pleasure thank you so much frank it's always fun to drop in and play word nerd with you yes. thanks again for having me on have a fantastic evening and a wonderful rest of the year thank you frank you too love to you and the fam same to you thank you so much danny Katz. there she goes danny uh i love talking with her about all this stuff it's very it's very important to do every once in a while, and I feel like we haven't done it in a, in, a, in a long time. So when I hear that Danny Katz has a new book out, damn, let's find you a night on the show. All right, let's go to the Super Chats, because we're going to be getting off here in a couple seconds. First one up is Jay Britz. He says, another great show on QuiteFrankly.tv. Thanks, Frank. Thank you, Jay. Katie Skye says, strangling the iguana sounds like a euphemism for choking the chicken. It could. It actually could be a better euphemism because, you know, you just consider the shape of both of those things. A iguana is a little bit more phallic than a weird, fluffy, um, you know, chicken. So... Revolution says, this is how Cats reminds me how I really am. So, thank you so much, Rev. Shotzi says, fantastic Monday night with Rich. Another great week of shows. It is, and it always is with Rich. I had a couple, Rich, I had Rich reach out to me. Say, Frank, that was effing awesome. 
You know, Rich is a numbers guy. He goes up there and he can tell you exactly how many, uh, you know, cats and dogs are in some uh, some random some random county in Kansas. You know, there's exactly seven cocker spaniels in so and so county in Kansas. That's what Rich is known for, and he goes up there. He can do it like the best of them. He is one of the best. But how many people can talk to Rich about his UFO experiences and glitches in the Matrix and, and draw all those stories about him having to leap across, uh, you know, raging rivers from 30 feet up like it's Indiana Jones? Those are those. That's what we want to do. You know, that's what I want. I have to try to draw out a dilly tomorrow night, too. Obviously, we need some inside baseball. You know, he's working so closely to the Trump campaign. Uh, he was just watching the South Carolina football game with him in the the executive box for a little while the other day. Um, we need some inside baseball there, but I also got to just we got to draw something out of Dilly, you know. Especially since he's such a maniac, <laughs> we got to, you know. So I think I I think I'm 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 built for the task. I think I can do it. Let's see how tomorrow goes. Anyway, thank you, Rev. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Shotzi. And thank you, Jay Brits. Let's over go to the Rockfin. Go over the Rockfin. And Tina Hagen, thank you so much for the tip. She sent the tip on Rockfin before we broke away from there. Uh, 925YLG sent a a nice little um, rumble rant. He said, help me. Screaming for help. I hope somebody helped him. Because that's just, that sounded bad. All right, over on the gold pills, quitefrankly.tv, foxhole, pill.net, it's all the same thing. NJSF, thank you for the cookie. Leanne, thank you. Homegoy says the bean counters at the Pentagon figured psyops were most efficient meant to wa- efficient means to wage war. Well... They have, uh, they're very good at what they do, aren't they? Because Danny, I said the reason why this show is called the, the World War of Words is very deliberate. Because yes, there is a war waging inside of all of us, just with ourselves, the way that we talk to ourselves, the way that we talk about ourselves to ourselves, the way we talk about ourselves to other people. You know, it's, 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 it's healthy to be self-effacing at times. Especially um, when you're being social and you want to be able to, you know, keep yourself humble and in check and and, and draw people in and and not put yourself on a pedestal. Um, But, you know, some people take the self-deprecation and beating themselves up. It's not no it's not it's a little bit bigger than just a little uh, socializing. We generally we have we have a tendency of having unhealthy relationships with ourselves and. Um, it's very hard to diagnose that sometimes because it's just as hard to diagnose a bad relationship that we have with other people because we always want to be, you know, at least some of us prioritize that social life among other things. So uh, it's a world war and the war starts inside of us all because outside of ourselves is the community that we come up in, the nation that we come up in, and it's, uh, it, it doesn't end doesn't end and places like the pentagon the bean counters out of there really have laid the psyops down 
And it's not just being rolled out in the jungles of Vietnam anymore. It's being rolled out in the suburbs in America, and it has been for generations. So getting a hold of language and getting a hold of how all this works out to our advantage or disadvantage is the first step of putting a stop to it, at least on an individual and local level. Firesign Wonders just bought a one-month bronze tier subscription. Well, welcome to the club, my friend. Donasar, thank you. Captain Flint, thank you. Donan Rosho, or Ronan Dosho, says, great return guest. By the way, Danny's new book is available on Audible. Yes, yes, like she just said. She, uh, If I ever put a book out, you best believe I will be doing, I will be doing the reading of the audio book. Uh, M. Rogan John, thank you. Fire Sign Wonder says, love her way of thinking. Just like God, he spoke everything into life. The power of our words are immense. Yes. Yes. NJSF, other combos that need to remove, that remove one's own choices. I have to, I need to. Uh, the better ways say, I choose to, I want to. And Castle Drummer sends over a cookie. Thank you so much. Um, I thought that maybe because the, the band isn't here yet. Here's one way that I think that we can end tonight. I have this old beaver post that I wanted to bring up, and it's about propaganda. Um, propaganda, how it's, it is in and of itself, like many other things, a tool and not always bad and maybe after reading this we can think of ways of creating some good healthy propaganda that we can give to ourselves wake up in the morning you know after your prayers after your push-ups a little bit of positive propaganda all throughout the day take a listen to this this is when the beaver spoke on 8chan back in 2016 on propaganda, propaganda is not merely a useful tool, but a necessity in a functional nation. Propaganda has become a dark word associated with repression, disinformation, and totalitarianism. In fact, our governments will use this as a tool. Enemy propaganda is presented as it is, propaganda. Neutral information is also called propaganda. However, the government's propaganda will be given more pleasant names, such as journalism or public service announcements. In the end, they are all the same thing, propaganda. Yet the idea that propaganda is necessarily a bad thing is wrong. As explained before, the leading of a nation is beyond the grasp of the common man, and not always through intellectual limitations, but sometimes merely through motivation. An individual only has so much time in his day, and depending on his situation, political activity may not be possible. The common man should not be expected to keep himself well informed on all political events that is the duty of the politician. However, for a nation to function, the aims of its citizens must be in line with those of the leadership, and this can only be achieved if the citizens have some knowledge of the political issues. This is where propaganda comes in. Good propaganda does not need to lie. In fact, it must be telling the truth. If the pro propaganda lies, the citizenship will find out sooner or later and their trust in government will be severely undermined, which in turn will make all future propaganda ineffective. That's where we are right now. No, the aim of propaganda should not be to disinform the citizenship, but to inform it. It is meant to break down complex political issues into an easy-to-understand-and-memorize formal fit for the proletariat. 
not the intelligentsia, but the proletariat. The more intelligent members of society will be able to understand the basics of a political issue without the aid of propaganda, and so it should not be targeted to them. Hence, propaganda should aim at being simple, simple in that it should be easy to remember, simple in that it should be not morally ambiguous, simple in that it should be easy to convey it quickly as to many people as possible. Once that is achieved, it must be repeated as often as possible to make sure it enters the public's consciousness. Furthermore, a government should have a few propaganda campaigns at once, as few as uh, propaganda campaigns at once as possible. The uh, more the more messaging being sent to the populace, the less likely there are uh, they are going to remember any of it in the end. That's another thing that we have going on right now. One thing ends, the other thing begins. In the end, if propaganda is done well, not only will it allow better management of the nation as the citizenship will be better informed of the leadership's intentions, but it will also increase general contentment as people will now understand the measures taken by their government. If it is not done well, it will sow distrust and greatly hinder the nation's potential. What is important to remember, however, is that the idea of propaganda is wrong in itself is wrong. If our aim is to better our society and to build better nations, then we must learn to use propaganda properly. It is the only way to gain the people's approval and thus their collaboration. And only once that is achieved can change finally happen. So this also goes into something else that we talk about a lot on this show over the years. And that is, oh, Frank, well, how do we red pill everybody? Well, you can't go by trying to drag somebody from the surface down to the depths of the sea in uh, five minutes. It's about simplicity. It's about something that is not morally ambiguous. And it's about something that when you go and take the time to look into and try to find what the deeper levels of an, of an issue or of a story really are, you tend to see that it is true. It can be verified by history. It can be verified by, dare I say, science. It's, uh, it does check out. So how do we make things more appealing, attractive, a little bit more invigorating and simple, easy to digest for people to bring them back to something? We can't expect everybody to be uh, scholars because I'm not, I'm not a scholar. There's a lot of things I don't understand and I am uh, struggling daily to get a better grasp on. But, um, you know, in the meantime... There's a little bit of something on propaganda and words and how, again, like any other tool, it could be used as a weapon or it could be used as a uh, as a healing agent. So that's all I have for you tonight. It's Tuesday. Tomorrow's Wednesday. We've got Brendan Dilley on, and then uh, we go deeper into the week. I thank you all for hanging out with me. I'm going to be releasing that scratching now as soon as the... The page loads up for me. There we go. Finally. Their scratching has been released. I hope you all get gold pills thrown right in your face and down your throat. Go ahead. And thank you to everybody on quite frankly superchat.com. Thank you to 925 uh G on the Rumble Rants. Thank you to Tina Hagen on the Rockfin. And away we go. I'll see you guys tomorrow night. Thank you again to Danny Katz. Go check her out and stuff some stockings, my friend. We will be back tomorrow. I'll catch you on the flip side.
quite frankly, this film before a live studio audience. And now, our super chatter starting with Revolution, Jay Britz, Katie Sky, Shotzi, and uh, like I said, all of our wonderful friends on Pilled, and Rumble, and Rockfin. We will see you soon. Thank you for everything. Become a sponsor of the show, ladies and gentlemen. It is uh, paramount to the future. I appreciate you all. Thank you so much.